Hello, I'm Christy Duncan, founder of Women in Payments, a global network that connects, inspires, and champions women across the global payments industry. Welcome to our Pause for Payments podcast. Every week, we sit down with an inspiring woman leading the way in her field. We'll discuss industry and career-related topics and share personal success stories to inspire and empower the next generation of women leaders. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsors for their continued support. With your help, we can go further, faster. Hello, I'm Christy Duncan, and I'm delighted to be chatting today with Kanika Takor, who's Head of Trade at APAC Treasury and Trade Solutions at City, based in Hong Kong. Welcome, Kanika. Thank you for having me, Christy. It's an absolute pleasure. Today, we're going to discuss the challenges that women face in building careers in the payments industry, and we'll take a closer look at how organizations are navigating the changes that this darn pandemic has brought into work-life balance. So we've got so much to cover. Let's get started. Kanika, can we start by telling the audience a little bit about your fantastic role at City and how you started your international career? Absolutely, Christy. Um, I came into the workforce in the year 2001. I joined City as a management associate in my home country, which was India. After about six years in India, um, I was very fortunate to get an opportunity with City in Singapore. And I spent the next eight years of my career in Singapore in various roles that covered both a country uh, in Singapore, ASEAN as a region, as well as Asia as a region overall. And in 2014, I moved to Hong Kong, which is where I reside now, to take on more opportunities within the transaction banking service, uh, between the transaction banking business in City. And I haven't looked back since. It's been 21 years with City and still counting. Wow, so interesting and such a great opportunity to see different parts of the world and, and learn the business from all different perspectives. So how do you encourage and motivate the next generation of women in trade payments? It's such a vast industry and you know there's so much opportunity. How do you do that? I think uh, from my vantage point, uh, Christy, the most uh, exciting part about being in the trade business where I've spent a significant proportion of my transaction banking career is that I am still a student. I'm still learning something new every day. And if that doesn't excite anyone, nothing else will. So it's a, it's a profession where there is macroeconomic uh, learning, where there is trade flow understanding, where there is geopolitical exposure, where there is client uh, industry risk profile understanding, where there is technology and new innovation understanding. So it's it's really the whole gamut. And this is a space like uh, you know many other spaces in transaction banking that's evolving very quickly in terms of the way digital uh, tools are are changing the nature of the business and also evolving a lot in the manner in which our clients are doing their own business. This pandemic, of course, has sort of accelerated some of those uh, tools, but you know, e-commerce flows, uh, direct-to-consumer, B2C, uh, you know, how do we diff do different sales models, et cetera. So it's a space that's evolving very rapidly. There was always something to learn earlier. Now there's, there's something to learn every minute, literally. <laughs> yes, it's true. And bringing up that next generation of talent, there's, as you say, so much opportunity to learn and find, you know, that perfect role or the opportunity to develop different skills across this whole sector. So interesting. So now that we know a little bit about what you do and, and the space that you're in and, and how we coach the next generation of talent. 
What about mentoring? How do you mentor women to be um, successful in this industry? You know, I don't think there's a formula. I wish there was. <laughs> but I think um, I've personally found just authenticity in the mentoring process is very critical. I've, uh, you know, interestingly, today I had a conversation with a, with a fellow female colleague and, on, and we spoke about how there are phases in careers, especially for women, where we may want to pace differently because, uh, you know, we've had young children or there are family balancing matters. So, you know, there are various um, stages of career. Sometimes you are uh, turbocharged, sometimes you need to find an alternate balance. And I think for people to hear that it's okay to do that or for people to hear that others have done it and yet succeeded is an important tool when you're a female mentor to especially another woman. And I think the other thing is allowing, giving women the comfort that you can bring your authentic self to work and also succeed. There's always, I, I feel, you know, the imposter syndrome, of course, is much spoken about, but there's always a desire to sort of portray yourself into an image that you may not naturally be. And I think just, just giving people the confidence that you can be who you are and you bring a lot of value to the table in that is an important part of the mentoring process. And of course, sharing one's own journey, sharing the pitfalls of one's own journey. And we've all learned along the way, haven't we? No kidding. And gosh, I love this bringing your authentic self to work to help, you know, feel comfortable and and be able to contribute in a way that is meaningful for you, but also finding the balance because as you say, in different stages of our lives, there's different things that we need to, to balance between work and family and across our whole lives. This is so, so inspiring, Kanika. Let's talk a little bit about you as a leader. Can you talk about some of the hurdles that you face as a woman leader in trade finance? I think initially, I, I wouldn't say they're leaders, but there are learning stages in I mean hurdles sorry but there are learning stages in the process so when I first took on the head of business role in Asia it was a much larger team that I had that I was now handling as opposed to the size of the team that I had handled earlier so that is something that took me a while uh, to get used to in terms of different leadership styles with cultural differences with styles with you know, the way you handle a managing director in your team is very different from the way you you mentor or work with a manager or an AVP in your team. So, so just getting used to that, I think needs one to sit back, needs one to pull out the reserves of one's own experiences and sort of uh, get along the process. I think it is a male-dominated industry, no, no doubt, but I haven't personally faced a situation where I've felt that a particular challenge was heightened um, because I was a, I am a woman and a man may not have faced the challenge. Yes, whenever um, I've been over uh, sort of busy at work and been in very intense periods, my children's library books have been late. So I paid a hell of a lot of late library fees. But other than that, I wouldn't call out any unique challenges. Well, good for you. It's um, certainly challenging for all of us as leaders, especially during this pandemic. So uh, if you can navigate that, that's fantastic. So when I look at, you know, organizations and can you talk a little bit about how companies and, and city in particular are addressing this whole topic of inclusion and 
you know, inclusion means many things to many people. But when we want to be that employer of choice, it's a, such a hot labor market at the moment, not only, you know, in particular regions, but around the world. How do you use inclusion to make city uh, an employer of choice? I think the tone has been set right at the top for an organization like City. Our CEO is Jane Fraser, who's a very inspiring female leader in her own right. Also, the firm has publicly uh, sort of set targets on the percentage of, of uh, diverse employees that they'd like to have. There's a very active um, process procedures, policies within the organization to encourage inclusion, to encourage diversity, including having diverse panels of interviewers when a job is being um, uh, interviewed for, including having a diverse slate of candidates coming in when, when the hiring process is being put through. And once the hiring is done, to ensure that there are tools um, available for the diverse candidates should they uh, you know, need them at, through the course of their career. So for example, we have a program called Maternity Matters that helps women who are uh, young mothers or going into that journey of motherhood and how they can sort of work through, uh, you know, how the firm can support their journey uh, of motherhood. So I think there's a lot of work being done at an institutional level. But I think even more importantly, in city, there is a huge amount of cultural sensitivity and appreciation for diversity at a human level. And eventually, you know, that's it, what makes things work. And I've been very fortunate personally to have bosses, mentors, um, peers, team members who've been very supportive and who've been very appreciative of the kind of challenges that one does face and, and who've been very uh, responsible in ensuring diversity and inclusion at every microcosmic level. And that's eventually when, you know, it all works together. So yes, there'll always be blips, there'll always be concerns, but I think the organizational intent is extremely, extremely strong. Wow, I love that. And especially coming right from the very top. I mean, City uh, definitely puts his money where its mouth is. And, and that leadership with Jane Fraser is so inspiring. The pandemic has changed our concept of work-life balance forever. Mm -hmm. um, and parents are trying to navigate this, and especially as they're new to the, to the industry and new to the market. What advice would you give to young women in particular and, and working parents in general on navigating the corporate ladder while trying to manage these challenges that the pandemic has thrown at them? So I think um, the biggest uh, support for me through this process has been knowing the fact that it takes a village to raise a child. So, you know, especially as a working mom and, and, and a working parent and pandemic, of course, hasn't made it any easier. You have to sort of leverage all of the resources that are around you to be able to make sure that you're not doing this alone. So whether it's family resources, whether it's school resources, whether it's making sure you plan activities for your children such that they remain engaged, you know, during periods that are busy for you. So I think a, a good amount of planning and leveraging the resources around you can go a very long way in ensuring that you create the balance. And I personally find that, you know, doing this well in advance so that there's no stress and anxiety in the system towards the end. And, you know, when things are uh, right at your head helps a lot. And I, you know, I've been very fortunate and, and in places like Hong Kong, we can get caregivers who can help manage our children. And I don't think I would have had a career without uh, the caregivers and nannies and, and, and sort of support system that I've had around me that have been integral to, to my raising uh, my children successfully, hopefully. 
Yeah, it's it's certainly there's lots to to manage, but you're right. There's so many resources that we can and should take advantage of to really help us navigate that and put that whole support system in place. Such wise words of wisdom. Kanika, I could talk to you about this forever. There's so much and it's so inspiring. And, and you're at an organization that has this leadership from the top with Jane Fraser. It's so fantastic. But I'd like to close the discussion today with a question that I ask all of our guests on Pause for Payments. And that is, if you were giving career advice to any of the younger uh, rising stars in our audience, what advice would that be? Follow your heart, but persevere, remain consistent, display a lot of grit, and keep learning. I don't think it's very complicated. There's simple things that, you know, if we keep our North Star right, I think we can all go places. And uh, we've, we've got to constantly, constantly keep learning and also keep delivering to the organizations that provide us these wonderful platforms to learn. So inspiring. Yeah, it's... Uh... I love that, following your heart, the continuous learning because the market continues to change, the industry continues to change, the environment continues to change and goodness knows the pandemic has taught us so much. But you mentioned something too in their grit. How does that play into all of this? You know, I was watching a TED talk yesterday that, that I forget the name of the lady who did it, but she did research across military academies, schools, organizations. And the one characteristic that she said differentiated uh, successful people from non-successful, it wasn't IQ, it wasn't social fitment, it wasn't, um, you know, various other parameters that one would typically measure on, including physical appearances. And she said the one consistent thing that came across the board was grit. And, and, you know, if we stand back and think about, um, you know, whether Malcolm Gladwell in his book Outlier spoke about the 10,000 hour rule, right? You can get yeah. good at anything if you really spend the right amount of time on it. So I think you can learn to love almost anything when you get good at it. And to get good at something, you've got to spend the hours and burn the midnight oil and, you know, veritably, not, not literally, and really spend your time and focus on it. And which is where I think grit comes uh, very importantly into play because the tendency to give up before you go very deep can be high because if it may not be interesting or it may not be fun till you get good at it. And sometimes we do have the tendency to stand back before we get good at it. So which is why, in my opinion, grit is a very, very important characteristic uh, to have and uh, to develop if one doesn't have it. Absolutely. No truer words were ever spoken. That's that's really inspiring. Sounds like me and my tennis game. <laughs> I got to put in those I'm, hours. Till it I'm actually... still getting there. It's a journey, but but uh, I, I'm, I'm aspiring to, to get there. Wow, good for you. Kanika, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. It's been a fabulous discussion. I'm so inspired by everything you say. It's been a fantastic learning experience for me. So thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you, Christy. It's always a pleasure. And, and it, it was as insightful for me as it was for you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thanks to our audience for listening as we explore the exciting world of payments with Kanika and other amazing and inspiring leaders from around the world of payments. Pause for Payments is produced by Women in Payments. And you can learn more about us at womeninpayments.org. You can also sign up to be a member and gain access to our global membership portal, where you'll find the latest industry trends, exciting career opportunities, and so much more, 
all created by women for women. All of our episodes can be found on many good podcast streaming platforms. And if you enjoy today's podcast, please remember to rate and subscribe. It really helps us to get found by others. Thanks everyone for listening.